Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third series of The Human Podcast, a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. This podcast is dedicated to honouring our experiences of transformation, our ability to live through, live with and beyond the inevitable devastations and renewals of living. So often, our personal stories of tragedy and survival are left untold, hidden behind the facade of ordinary life. Human has been created to make them more seen, more heard and more celebrated. Because I believe, within them, we can all feel more connected to our shared humanity. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be ignited by the fire of the human spirit. I've actually got goosebumps before I've even started your introduction, Deborah. But um, my goodness, how how lucky are we today to have some time with, and I say this in a very literal sense, the truly sensational Deborah James. I always say that to you, Deborah, when I write a comment under your post, but you are, you're just a sensation. Deborah is a newspaper columnist, a campaigner, co-host and creator of the hit podcast, Yumi Big C. Four years ago, at the age of 35, Deborah was blindsided with a diagnosis of an incurable bowel cancer. She was given less than an 8% chance of surviving five years, so every day since then, Deborah has been required to live with one of the greatest existential challenges that human beings can face, which is that of our ultimate mortality. Deborah, you have said, my only option is to live in the now and to value one day at a time. But my God, living, truly living, is what Deborah does every day with passion, with courage, with joy, and most importantly, always, always with glamour. However, in recent weeks, Deborah, I, I know, I, as I follow you very closely, as hundreds of thousands of people across the country do, that you've reached what you described as a rock bottom Um, since you discovered that the treatment that has been keeping you well is now longer no working as it was and consequently the the roller coaster that you've been living on has taken you 
to what I heard you describe Deborah as, as the gates of hell. So we're meeting today at a point when I know you are very, very much in an eye of a storm. And so I just wanted to start, Deborah, by just saying thank you for, for taking this time to be with us and how, I mean, it's truly breathtaking to think that, you know, with everything going on, you're, you're, you're here with us. So just before we say anything else, just, just thank you. And I hope you know what it means to me, what it means to our listeners to have this time with you. So, I mean, before we start with anything else, just how, how are you today? Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Jess. I think um, we probably should say that originally we were going to record this and then I think I texted you and said, I can't, I'm in liver failure. Um, and that was probably a couple of months ago when it all kind of, I kind of fell off a cliff. Mm. So I'm approaching actually five years of living with cancer. And it's, I never really knew what was happening around five years. I kind of, I never really thought beyond it, um, mainly because I didn't think I would make five years. Um, but recently, like the desire to make five years has become ever more burning, I suppose, because it seems um, ever more fragile um, mm. in order to to reach that. Um, so yeah, things recently haven't been great. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm just not very well at the moment. The treatment that I have been on for years was always going to stop working at one point. And my only option, I mean, I'm very pleased that I had the option on the table um, when we got my liver back working. Um, so my, unfortunately, my liver started to fail and I was rushed in for an emergency bile duct stent, um, which is scary in itself, actually, because I kept on saying, I remember now, like I was describing to my sister-in-law the other day, I kept on saying, um, I was asking, what happens if it doesn't work? And... They weren't, um, they didn't tell me, but at the same time, they just said, we think it's going to work. We think it's going to be okay. And I kept on saying, but what happens if it doesn't? And then the comment was, so people will die quite quickly from liver failure. <laughs> and I, I remember just kind of thinking, okay, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. But I didn't quite realize how, how scary that was. And then... I have been um, back on chemotherapy for the last um, kind of six or seven weeks now, um, which is essentially three cycles. I've had hundreds of cycles of treatment. Um, this is, I'm probably, I've actually lost count. It sounds really weird to say that, but I think I'm over a hundred cycles maybe of, of chemo or targeted therapy in some capacity. And my only option on the table was to go back to what I call nuclear chemo, which is essentially um, the kind of big guns. You, you kind of give it all that you've got, which is old school, hardcore, blast, the, like everything out of you. And you know what? It, I am like, I'm not mentally at rock bottom. Like I think you're right in terms of um, about a month ago, I was, I can't do this. Funny enough, I'm like, okay, I need to give it a go. And actually being away recently has given me a bit of a fire to kind of just give it a go. The thing that I'm more scared of is actually whether or not it's working. I'm not feeling that great. Um, to be honest, I don't know whether that's the cancer, the chemo, um, just 
generally my body after five years just saying you know what Debs I've had enough Mm. um but I would say I'm not saying that I lie on Instagram but I would say people see a snippet of 10 minutes which I choose that I want to remember um but I would say the other side is quite um like hard at the moment Mm. I mean Debs you do have this way of you know, there is such a powerful sort of dissonance between the way you are, you know, outwardly and always so stunning and glamorous and gorgeous and dancing. And, you know, what in contrast to what must, as you describe, be the kind of more internal landscape, the spaces between what the world sees, you know, and, and how you're facing that day to day at the moment. And I've 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 so heard I've heard you so beautifully describe the purpose and function of of that for you. You know, of always looking gorgeous and and getting up and done and putting on your makeup and getting your hair looking beautiful and stuff like that. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit a bit more about that. Yeah, particularly at the moment, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Like even more so at the moment. I would say in the last six weeks, I've noticed this massive shift to. Um, frivolous spending of like you know makeup every every type of makeup every type of hair product um clothes that I will probably never wear shoes that I definitely can't walk in um but it's it's this kind of like um it's almost like I don't want to I really really don't want to look in the mirror and see some somebody that I don't recognize and for me it it becomes um almost like a kind of not self-fulfilling but um a little bit of a kind of you trick your your body or your mind into kind of saying actually you know what I can put some makeup on and I can feel okay and then actually you become a little bit better as a result it sounds it's um Rachel who sadly uh, who I used to present the podcast with who did sadly die she used to call it the reverse Dalai Lama which I think is a really good (laughs) way of looking at it and I I know that there's things inside my body that I really you know I can drink all the green smoothies in the world and I can try every supplement and I can but really my hope is in science and mm. a great medical team and I'm praying that my body works um so the only thing I really have control over is kind of almost what I look like from the outside it sounds really weird like you know I can do everything I can but um ultimately you know if my body feels knackered actually I can't get up like I I try but I I can't um so I'm kind of focusing on my hair and and my eyebrows (laughs) which are quite bad the worst the worst which looks stunning I have to say (laughs) the worst thing is is that this chemo I've started to my hair started to thin and I knew it was going to happen and um oh my word it's it's so funny because I know that most people on cancer treatment will totally lose their hair but for me it's such an identity Mm. it's such a kind of it's the one thing that I'm clinging on to so I've I've started kind of like checking out hair pieces I've got some of that spray to cover my uh my roots uh like you know I'm desperately like clinging on to every ounce of it's normality it's normality Mm. for me um it's frivolous normality where a lot of people will say actually that kind of stuff doesn't matter but somehow I actually find myself getting lost in that stuff and actually that mind it's not mind numbing but in a way 
actually it can put a smile on my face when other things can't. But Debs, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's almost the opposite of frivolous. It's, it's a, it's a, it sounds to me like it's a very profound part of your resilience building process. Yeah, maybe actually. Mm. It's a kind of, um, yeah, it might be. I've never really kind of thought what role it plays, but I know it, it's, I find when I'm at my illest, I want to look nicest, mm. which is really odd. Um, and it's such a juxtaposition. Um, but I find that like outcomes, like the really beautiful dresses and I just want to wear all these beautiful dresses um and I just find it kind of like it's escapism I think that's what it is it's escapism Mm. um into a slightly different world and it kind of you can suspend reality a little bit with it you know what Debs it's funny it's making me think about um my mum after my mum was diagnosed and she was going through some really brutal treatment at the beginning which I think was particularly brutal for her because it turned out she was intolerant to it and on really low days sometimes she'd call me up and go darling I think a trip to the yellow temples in order selfridges <laughs> I love that the yellow temple I think that's brilliant and it's right next to the master it's yeah, so it's good so I love and it is it's like it is it just makes you feel for that moment it makes you feel good because there's very few things when your body's not feeling great that can make you feel good and sometimes actually um relying too much on the emotional kind of like oh spend time with your family curl up and watch a movie do Mm. this it can be too heavy sometimes actually you need the light stuff yeah yeah you you just need that different layer something you just said there um Debs about normality and how you know when you're going through something as profoundly challenging as this you know if all the science and magic and brilliant things could be done in the world all you would you wouldn't want those things to be able to give you superpowers all you want is normal it's the magic of the ordinary isn't it it's the magic of the ordinary and and it's an incredible thing how you can find you know the magic of the ordinary in a quick whip round the yellow temple I've just come back out um so I'm obviously speaking to you from France Mm. and I've just come back out where my kids have been and um uh I saw my daughter, I haven't seen my daughter for a couple of weeks because I've been back for treatment. Yeah. And I saw my daughter and, um, you know, really I should be, uh, this morning, I, you know, we went, we, we did go for a, a little walk and stuff. Um, but, you know, the first thing that I did, we went to like the local um, really cheap, tacky uh, French shop that does brilliant like kids clothes. And I sat in a changing room for an hour and a half whilst she just as a, 11 year old girl tried on loads of clothes and then I basically just bought them for her they're like like think think about a kind of Primark haul like for an 11 year old and um why did I do that for no apparent reason other than actually it's it's really normal it felt really normal it was a mother-daughter normal thing to do where actually I could sit in a changing room and say, no, that doesn't suit you. Um, Why don't we try this style? Mm. Um, Because actually, if I'm sitting, you know, like we said, doing, you know, sitting walking, sometimes actually I might just fill up with tears. Mm. But if I'm sitting kind of like, and we're just focused on the fact that she can't fit into these jeans and she looks great in this thing. It's hilarious. It's normal. It's that, that's all it is. It's normal. And I'm in there with like, 
you know, hundreds of other like French normal people just doing mm. normal mum stuff. And actually for that hour, because um, my husband said, why have you just gone and done that? Not in a kind of bad way. He was like, of all the things to do, why would you choose that? And I said, because it just feels so normal. Yeah, exactly. um, and actually just to be able to be well enough to have an hour to do that is a novelty in itself. You know, Deborah, I've heard you. I've heard you speak a lot just just over the kind of few years that I've I've known you, but p- particularly in the last few months about um, the power of hope and how it has enabled you to live with what I'm sure can feel like at times kind of relentless uncertainty in your life. And I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about like that now because it's just such a powerful thing. And the way the way you speak yeah. about it, yeah. I have um, hope. Is uh, somebody said? You know, if you take hope away from a cancer patient, like what else have you got? Like basically, you you need to have. Um, when I was diagnosed, um, I can't find myself in a textbook because I don't exist. Um, because actually, on paper. Um, Actually, there are very few case studies of people like myself with my type of mutation that would be alive even four and a half years later speaking to you. So the reality is sometimes you have to look for hope, not necessarily in other examples, but you have to look to science or whatever it is for that hope. We have to create the hope yourself. But for me, I I just, I kind of... um, from a really practical perspective, I think I just, I never believed that I would die from cancer. I think the last six months has been a little bit more kind of, I've held a mirror up to that a little bit closer, I would say. Um, but I think when I was first diagnosed, I just never believed it. I always kind of believed that I could be the outlier. Um, I kind of figured, well, if I was the outlier to get cancer, then why can't I be the outlier to survive it, if you want to say that? Um, and I, I think I've always, um, I've always been a bit of a, not a science geek, but really interested in how fast the world moves in terms of medicine. And, um, the thing that I took hope from almost actually within six months of diagnosis, and it was, to be honest with you, it's probably the thing that's kept me going until really recently, until those drugs stopped working, was the fact that almost from day one, I I had researched probably, I mean, to the point of, I mean, I was going a little bit mad, to be honest with you. And I always advise people don't Google. And then at the same time, I'm kind of like, actually, no, you know what? It allowed me to take control of my situation. And I knew that there was data out there that that could give me an option. It didn't mean that I would ever respond to it. But it, if the data came through for, for some drugs that you know, could be available. I knew that on the horizon, there was something for my type of mutation that was proving at least interesting. And that in itself is all you need, right? All you need to know is that in your back pocket somewhere, there is something that is giving you a little like kind of, oh, hello, you know, this could work for you. And funny enough, that got me through the first year of chemo because I kept on thinking, and I did respond to chemo, it's the chemo that I'm now back on, mm. but it, it kind of got me through the idea of like, 
there might be something else, there might be something else. And not that you want to ever use that, but it's just that idea of like, you want to know that you haven't left a stone unturned. And I think you've said this before, right? If I die, and I think, um, forgive me, but I think your mum was the same, right? You just want to, you want to know that there's no stone left unturned that you haven't looked at. And that's, that's how I still feel now. And funny enough, um, that gave me, a, it, 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 like, on, you know, that, that hope of, it wasn't, it, it was, um, it was just positive data that come through about some, some drugs that I then eventually um, had access to through something called compassionate use, uh, which you know all about. Mm-hmm. And um, that in itself gave me hope because it gave me that kind of option. It was just that option of like, oh my word, okay, the data's good like let's give it a go the thing that scares me right now is I haven't found um and I trust my oncologist but there's not an obvious another stone that I can cling on to right now and I think that is really quite a scary place to be it doesn't mean that I've lost hope I would say that my hope has wobbled a little bit when you realize that you really are quite up against it um and I would say that's that has definitely unnerved me but until until that point I would say hope was absolutely ridden on the wings of science mm. I mean it's, it's interesting because I, I mean hearing you say that I mean I, I wonder then you know what your what you feel the kind of the relationship or the sort of tension is between hope and hope and acceptance or you know are the two states at the opposite end of a spectrum or can hope and acceptance coexist and and if so what 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 does that look like I think I almost got to that point um last month um where I something happened that I never thought would happen which is not that there's not an option on the table, like whilst my chemotherapy, um, you know, is brutal, to be really honest with you, but it is an option and people would kill for that option. Mm. Um, when my liver started failing, that wasn't an option because my body couldn't take it. And I never realised actually um, having it removed from the table and not having anything, how scary that can be. You know, there's there's no drug in the world. I can't, even if there was a clinical trial, it didn't, it doesn't matter if my if my body actually fails what can i i can't do anything about it um and in, in a weird way um i was i was very scared but i was quite accepting of that scenario um in terms of realizing that it may not be the options it may actually be that my body has been battered for five years and we've tried everything um and my team have tried everything but you know our bodies are robust and resilient and they're fragile all all at the same time right Mm -hmm. and like in a way it was heartbreaking but yes I was quite accepting of it I would say I would say the challenge is they do it's not that they sit on opposite ends of the spectrum but they can they can kind of conflict each other sometimes in that I want to I want to dream and have hope that my that this chemo is going to work I'm then going to find a new drug that I'm going to carry on and then 
all at the same time, I wake up in pain and my body's not working and I feel knackered. And I'm, it's that kind of, that's the reality. Mm. And so it's kind of like, am I, it's where, how much do you kid yourself versus um, accept where you are and then kind of try and not make the most sounds awful, but accept the situation that you're in. And I suppose um, accept the life that that brings. The thing that's quite heartbreaking is watching your body demise. Mm. So the thing that's really heartbreaking is watching, I'm quite, I'm normally a very fit athletic person and I'm trying to rebuild my body and it just doesn't want to play ball. And that is really heartbreaking. Like today, I actually, um, we went for a walk this morning and it's the first time that I've walked um, further than a couple of K in months. So we actually walked 5K. Everything hurts. Um, being really honest with you I don't know I'll probably crash and sleep later as a result um but I think it's in a way it gives me hope I'm like yay I just walked 5k this is brilliant and then the other way I'm like am I am I dying basically it's really hard it's I don't have an answer to it it's one moment one moment at a time isn't it and and as yeah. you and as you are the living testament to sometimes one moment to a time is the is is the road to much much more happy you know happy well life and living you know and yeah um you know my my um my two little girls and you probably know about this have having a daughter as well and a son but you know definitely my little girls are obsessed with Frozen and so I've listened watched Frozen many many times and particularly Frozen 2 and there are some very profound lines in Frozen 2 and there's one point at which Anna says when when you can't see the future all you can do is the next right thing and I think that is such an unbelievably profound little lesson to impart in young minds. But also, I remember hearing that at one point, you know, a couple of years ago when I was in a really feeling in quite a dark place. And I thought, yeah, it's the next right thing. And that, that you know, sometimes that's all we can do, you know. That's all we can do. Yeah. And it's at the moment, I kind of, um, it is one, st- it, like my oncologist told me this, it is always one step at a time. And I, you know, I cannot envisage a future at the moment. I used to be able to, um, but it's so far beyond where I um, I hope I have a future, but I, I know what my body is doing and my body isn't playing ball. I mean, it could be just because I've got nuclear chemo running through me and I feel mm-hmm. awful. Um, and, you know, that we don't know. Um but what I can do is really, it's really because my mum said to me, but Deborah, actually, you've got to remember how ill you've been. Mm-hmm. So you know, my liver was failing and then I actually got sepsis. Um, and the first cycle of chemo, which is what, like eight weeks ago now, I was admitted to hospital with the sepsis and I didn't leave. The second cycle, I was spiking 40 degree temperatures and I couldn't, like, I couldn't really function. Um, and she's like, she's like, and you've just gone to Henley and Lords and you've, 
basically managed to function for the day and you forget you, I think I, I forget like my expectation of life and my expectation of normal it's not so high it's just normal but I forget like how low I've been so actually I need to kind of you know I had a dream two months ago that I was going to make it on holiday to France and I forget that actually I've done that and then my next dream was that I want to see my kids start secondary school which is happening in a week two weeks so I'm kind of thinking well that would be cool um but that was like two months ago and then it's your 40th birthday which and there's but even that so this is the weird thing even that even though that is on the first of October so we're kind of like early October so what we're like not even like five weeks away right so you would have thought um I love a good party and this is like the birthday that I never thought I would make so I should be like throwing the biggest party ever because I'm so scared that I won't be alive I have done nothing I've booked nothing I've planned nothing because I don't know like it's one step at a time my next step is getting my kids to secondary school that's my next step and it's exactly what what honor says in frozen it's like you do the next thing so so um being back in France actually was again like that was on on the kind of like wish list of kind of maybe I can come back and see the kids um and I I forget that these were all dreams that I'm I'm achieving but it's kind of like I'm nervously doing it on eggshells, wondering what happens next um, and waiting for the floor to be whipped from beneath my feet, I think. But you know what, Debs, I see in you is I see somebody who reaches for what can feel like the, the most fragile threads and somehow you weave them into these incredible ropes of strength, you know, that, that, that carry you through. And it's just so extraordinary to, to see. It really, really mm. is. And I really hope you know what that means to so many people who are have this incredibly privileged window to sort of witness this journey that you're on. And I just hope you know what that means to so many people and, and the power that that has in, in the world, you know, and how it makes other people around you who you will never even know feel stronger in their own lives. It really does. Thank you for saying that. But do you know the the weirdest thing? I feel like a fraud because I feel like, I'm not faking it, but I feel like I'm so, um, I feel like I'm only just, I'm only just scraping by myself. Does that make sense? I'm not kind of built of different stuff. I'm human, right? At the end of the day. And like a couple of cycles ago I said actually you know what I'm not sure I want to do this anymore Mm. um and then I kind of thought about it and I decided to carry on and now I'm in a place where I want to carry on and then I said to him last cycle I said you know I don't think retrospectively I meant that or maybe I meant it at the time I said I would like to carry on and he said you know what you're just human he said he said it would be weird not to think like that. He said it's very normal to have those feelings. Mm-hmm. He said if you didn't think like that, I would think that you're not normal. And I think um, I think sometimes people forget that actually in order to get by on a day, actually there are wobbles, there are tears, there are um, moments of utter self-doubt, moments of 
like not um believing that you have a future like lost you know losing your hope there's all that within the space of maybe 30 minutes in a day and then suddenly the next half a day feels a bit better or whatever it is and I think it's like I think for any of us um who are just walking the tightrope of I suppose well you're yeah you're living on it I call it eggshell living you're eggshell living it's it's never going to be easy and nobody nobody has it smashed does that make sense nobody has it sorted nobody is doing a better job than somebody else and I think if somebody is you know having a bad day it's recognizing that actually that person that maybe you take hope from probably had a bad day yesterday as well because they're also human I love the fact that maybe my story gives hope to other people um but I also hope that they can they don't feel that they have to always um be resilient or be positive or whatever that they can also be normal and human at the same time and they can cry and they can sit at three o'clock in the morning and watch movies and be scared and actually still get up and you know, go and buy lipstick and then get on with the day. <laughs> I mean, Debs, what you're just describing in the most unbelievably profound way is just the human capacity to hold within ourselves the coexistence of so many wildly different states of feeling and being at the same time, you know. And as you've, you know, yes, the hope and the acceptance, the you know, the fear and the serenity, the joy and the sadness, the resilience and the and, and the exhaustion, you know, all of those things. Yeah, I think we, we have this amazing ability, don't we, as humans to kind of uh, function on so many different levels. Mm. Um, and it's quite, it's quite mind-blowing, isn't it, sometimes how we just, we want to just carry on, um, whatever that looks like. Um, and I do, you know, sometimes I, I find it amazing myself. I kind of, kind of, you know, some, sometimes you go, I, how did I get here? I don't, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> like, and you have to, you have to always like tap yourself on the back and be like, oh, well, well done you, you got dressed today. <laughs> I mean, Debs, I know. I mean, can you imagine, you know, if, I mean, it's. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about what, you know, the younger versions of ourselves would think if they saw us now, saw yourself now. I mean, I think, you know, the 20-year-old 20, 20 year old you would be pretty bloody proud of the nearly 40 year old you yeah Yeah, I think they would I think um I think the 20 year old me would be uh I just want to like I don't want to thump the 20 year old me but I want to be like oh my god you worried about really frivolous stuff it's not it's all relative isn't it but it's just the idea of like actually when you're worrying about life or death everything else gets put put into perspective Mm. um and uh, I wasted a lot of uh, energy on anxiety. Um, just funny enough, ironically, thinking that I was going to die from a medical. I had massive health anxieties for many years, uh, which is you know what then ended up happening with me, which I think is you know almost well, it's totally ironic, really, isn't it? But um, I would love to kind of just go and say just be a bit freer like at 20 and just you know throw caution to the wind a little bit more but hindsight's a very good thing isn't it <laughs> Debs you just a few minutes ago you mentioned your mum your absolutely gorgeous mum how is your mum yeah I think my family um I rely a lot on my family like my parents I've been basically like when I'm in the UK at the moment um I I basically am living with my parents like Mm. um you know if my husband's not around um I I think people I don't know how anyone can do it alone to be honest with you Mm. um and I it's it's how I function um through basically having that support and help I think one of the biggest problems um and my mum will will hopefully recognize this is as a loved one the problem is you want to fix that person, mm. right? So when we were on holiday and I was spiking, you know, these 40 degree temperatures, my mum's like, they're trying to fix me. She's trying to fix my cancer because obviously I'm her daughter. And, you know, she does that through being like, right, take your paracetamol, do this, strip off, like, you know, kind of in a semi-bossy mum-like way. And the reality is that she can't fix my body, right? She can help me and she can, you know, certainly make my life easier, but she can't take away the one thing that she wants to take away, which is me having cancer. And I think that must be pretty heartbreaking to see. Um, And I know that a lot of her actions are driven by probably this idea that that she can make it better. She can make it better, but she's making it emotionally better. Mm. And she's making it just, she's making the journey just much better. Um, but she has no control over my body. Like she, she I might, you know, tell her that, well done, you've lowered my temperature sometimes, but she hasn't, <laughs> you know, it's the steroids or the, the steroids or the paracetamol. Um, and I think that must be really heartbreaking as a, 
as a partner, as a carer, as a loved one to somebody who isn't very well, mm. to see their demise and feel totally helpless or to want to try to take control in that situation mm. um, and not be able to. Um, you know, I, I, I have no idea what it's like on the other side. Um, no idea. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure it must be as awful as it is on my side, actually, to be honest with you. Mm. And how are your little ones doing? I think, um, I was saying to my husband, actually, they have this amazing ability to compartmentalise, like, what is actually going on and then just get on with life. And I think kids, I know this from teaching kids, but kids are really, they are really resilient. And I, the kids will be okay. Like, whatever happens to me, whether I'm here or not, the kids will be okay. And Funny enough, I think I, I've i come to that conclusion myself. I probably don't even need anybody to tell me that they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay because they have people around them that love them. They have a great support network. Um, and I hope that I've kind of, you know, badgered into them the idea that if I die, you can't blame my death for anything that happens in your life. Um, and I think, you know, it's just the idea that anybody who is facing a serious illness and doesn't know whether they're going to be around and they've got kids, there's, there's, if you can't change the situation, the only reassurance you want to know is that they're going to be okay. And the reality is that they will be okay if you tell them that they're going to be okay. If you if you leave this world by t- saying, actually, guys, you're going to be fine without mummy. And if you tell everybody around them that they're going to be okay you know what they are if you leave this is this is my view I don't know how accurate this is but this is this is my view if I if I kind of leave them going guys you're not going to survive without your mum like come on then actually maybe they won't and so actually the best thing I can do is to tell them that they're going to be okay because they are and they will be well darling I think with you as their mummy I think I think they are absolutely going to be okay. Oh, I really do. Oh, I hope so. Now, Deb, listen, um, as we come to the end of our time together, I just want to ask you, what does courage feel like? Facing your biggest fears and being utterly, utterly shit scared um, and doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think um but sometimes because you have no choice like you, and I think it courage isn't something because you've kind of gone yeah I can do this I'm absolutely fine courage is something that we're forced into and we're forced into face whether we like it or not and people say oh we're really brave and we're really inspiring but the reality is that we don't have another choice mm. um and so courage is kind of facing facing it and knowing that you're scared and doing it anyway, I think. Absolutely. And so, Deborah, our last question before we, we finish. So if there's anyone in the world living or, or also someone who may have already died who you would want to be proud of you, who would that be? Oh, that's a great question. That is such a good question. Um, so 
So I actually think I want my future, like my future grandkids to be proud of me, if that makes sense. (laughs) So I, so it would be like something in the future to be like, but more, more from a, um, more from a, it's not, legacy is a big word, but it's more kind of like, what did I do that mattered to the people that I love the most? So whether that is um, pass on a love of shoes to my daughter, whatever, <laughs> um, whether that is something slightly more profound um, in terms of, um, you know, actually, did you know that my grandmother, she, well, she was on this, this trial, and actually, as a result, loads of other people now get treated for cancer in this particular way um like that for me like you know even for me actually knowing that the drugs that I was on because I was the case study it then got approved on the NHS for other people that makes me very proud actually mm, so for me for me that's a huge thing it's not an achievement that I've done but it's in, it's something that I've been part of that mm. I feel very proud to be part of so Deborah James coming to the end of this absolutely unbelievably precious and special time together in true human form we are going to play out with um a song that we're going to dedicate to your episode so so please tell us what the song is going to be and why okay so i'm hoping you will appreciate this because you did mention frozen so i am an absolute musical lover like i love musicals for me musicals lift me up they make me feel alive um now, the song is Defying Gravity in Wicked, okay? It's the first song that came to my head. The reason is because I feel like just being alive, I'm defying gravity, basically. And I listen to that song. I dance around to that song. Me and my kids dance to that song. And it is literally... Um, being alive is defying gravity in my situation. <laughs> so that is the song that I picked. <laughs> That's one of the most profound answers to this question I think we've ever had in a nutshell. Oh, Debs, just thank you for everything that you are and for everything that you do and for spending this time with us. Honestly, I'll, I'll remember it forever. Thank you. And so oh, to, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. So to play us out, here we have it. Defying gravity in very glorious wicked. Instead of flying off the handle, I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy now. I hope you're happy how you hurt your cause forever. I hope you think you're clever. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy too. I hope you're proud how you would grovel in submission to feed your own ambition. So though I can't imagine how, I hope you're happy right now. Listen to me. Just say you're sorry. You can still be with the wizard. What you've worked and waited for. You can have all you ever wanted. I know. But I don't want it. No. I can't want it. Anymore. 
Something has changed within me. Something is not the same. I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game. Too late for second guessing. Too late to go back to sleep. It's time to trust my instincts. Close my eyes and leap. It's time to try to find gravity. I think I'll try to find gravity, and you can pull me down. Can't I make you understand? You're having delusions of grandeur. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score, five stars, please. If you'd like to come and say hello on Instagram, then you can find me and all things human podcast related at This Is Jess Mills. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Jess Mills, with creative co-production by Bonnie Tyburn and produced by Joel Porter at dot dot dot. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.